0: It's a dark, night. dark, night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom, analyst is working find over at MMA Junkie But on this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're gonna do here today, tonight. Whenever you are listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. As I am recording this late, late Thursday night before the weigh-ins. So, uh, you know, weird time, but, you know, it's like that uh, Q the uh, 7 gif of, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, like, sleeping when it says Thursday. (laughs) It's Friday, breakfast is getting made, and shit's finally getting done. That's kind of the story of this here weekly show on the Breakdown Weeks. And I guess that makes you guys... Morgan Freeman, and Brad Pitt. Pick amongst yourselves. Um, but yeah, check the timestamps. It's going to be a quick recap of UFC Vegas 32, and then we, or Vegas 31, and then we'll jump to UFC Vegas 32. Check the timestamps for when that starts. In the show notes, we'll go do that from top to bottom and recap it at the very end. Of course, the show notes are always intact. Whether you're listening in the audio version on YouTube, thanks. Uh, give the video a like. Subscribe. Daniel Tom MMA on YouTube really helps a lot. Or if you're listening to the audio version on Apple Podcasts, give it a five-star ratings and review. Appreciate you. Of course, you can always share. Tag at the PYN Podcast on social platforms. Follow us there, too. We won't pollute your feed. We will help share. If you share, it is nice. We appreciate it. Or if you want to get at me, of course, at DanTomMMA on Twitter is where I'm uh, most active. All right. Of course, as well as... um, uh, oddschecker.com, my weekly betting sheets so as I just submitted it I'll let you know what's on that sheet as well as what else is on you know the rest of the card the, the menu if you will you get the full menu here that's why you come here that's why I appreciate you guys Um, so yeah if you're joining me from that article or from other places I uh, appreciate you thanks for joining Um, it's been some nice winning weeks we'll see if we can keep that going but it is 2021 and it is MMA so beware um and as i told myself i was gonna keep it light um there there ended up being some things that i was on uh despite some cancellations and whatnot so we'll get to all that in due time um let us get to a uh a recap um ufc vegas 31 recap we went nine and one overall picks feels good to get those ratios again uh one known parlay pieces hit that parlay 3-0 3-0 and 0 in straight plays, and 1-1 one and one in props, including a plus 2,000, which we'll, we'll get to. Um, it was headlined by, of course, Islam Makhachev versus Tiago Moises. By the way, I have this theory, like, I'm a little guilty of it myself with Islam Makhachev, and a, a bit, um, but I noticed it with this name, and Adesanya, I, I feel like in the no... Uh, not trying to be insensitive to people with strokes, but I feel like everybody sounds like they've had a stroke when they're saying Adesanya, uh, which I feel like, uh, you know, uh, got spread around like crazy, and then there's a lot of Mahachev, and, um, you know, uh, I know Ariel was doing the Adesanya one, and I know uh, John Anik gets a lot of the, the, you know, he's the authority, and rightfully so, he is the man, uh, for sure, with pronunciations and just, you know, his job in general. You know, I'm a big John Anik fan here. But, um... You know what I think it is. I think it's, and John and Mike will tell you. He's like, hey, I'm just, t- I'm just saying it, as, uh, as, uh, as they, as they say it. And I think like uh, uh, uh Tanaka was was, uh, was one, and they went like Tanaka, and like there was like a you know a difference, and they're like we're just saying it as the fighters say it verbatim, and gun to your head. That's probably the most defensible stance and way to go about things, protocol-wise, is just whatever the fighters record on tape, repeat it as they say it. But here's the thing: I don't know if the fighters. It sounds crazy, because like, how do they how do they not saying their own names right? Well, it's like walking. It's something you do every day. You don't think about until someone makes you do it, and you can mess up. You know, one of the hardest things for actors to do on camera is to walk, because it's something so basic they don't think about doing it. That when they do it, it comes out all awkward. Now, not only can you lobby the same theory, if you will, of having a, not an actor, but a performer, a fighter, if you will, and, you know, state your name, something very basic, but they're having them think about the context. It's your second language, a lot of these names, or they are coming from a, a clearly different culture, even if it's not a second language, like Adesanya speaks English, obviously. Um,. Right. Uh, so um, <clears throat> there's already that at play and they're telling you to speak in a recording thing. And even if they understand what it's for, and what the context is, it, it's different. They're not just telling you to say your name. They're saying pronounce how your name, how you want your name brought, uh, pronounced in the broadcast. There's a bit of a weight to that. Like, ooh, I better not mess this up or pronounce this because we and make sure you enunciate because the the and say it a couple times because we want to make sure the announcers get it right. You know, and they, they they get the best take, and they play it, and you'll hear like uh, thing like T.J. Desantis will play these audio files on the shouts to the Anakin Florian pod, right? And I think that when they make these fighters say it, I don't think they're saying it with the the pro- I think they're really over enunciating the syllables because they're being asked almost to enunciate their name, you uh, know, very particular way. If that makes sense, it's like uh, leading the witness, if you will, you know. Um, and so I feel like what you get is these over-exaggerated, which sounds like we just had a stroke, uh, desanya, because people take it too literally because they don't want to mess it up. And they go, no, no, take me through the syllables, pronounce it slow so I can get it right. And they end up mimicking a slower, non-realistic version with off-balance syllables. I don't know if all that made sense. I don't know why I spent so much time going into it. But I feel like that's the annoying phenomena that we are all hearing or having to deal with in ourselves as content makers. Anyways, just my two cents. Not pointing fingers. I just think that's what's going on. Uh, Makachev uh, beat Moises. Uh, good thing, you know. You, you Hopefully, you took my advice to stay away because my reads would have been wrong anyways. I just enjoyed a winning night and uh, stayed away from the main, which is, you know, always good feelings if you can do that. But um, I, I was right on the side, and, you know, the way the fight was going to go, I just didn't think Makachev was going to get the finish, but, you know, he, he, he said it was a goal of his, which made sense if he wanted to make a statement and finally wake these matchmakers up so we could finally, you know, stop making lateral moves, then, you know, that's that's a good thing he got the finish, but I don't have much to say outside of my, clearly, my take on names. Um, Misha Tate defeated Marion Renault. Cash that straight play, and added to the um, stats, by the way, thank you guys for any and all who shared my article and answered that call to arms. I really appreciate the fuck out of you guys. It's crazy, man. And, like, you know, it's always funny, the people who share or to don't share, it's always, like, not who you'd expect. You're like, wow, I thought that person hated my guts. That person sharing my stuff. And you're like this person hates my guts (laughs) but anyways it's like it's it's funny but like i got actually a positive point is what i'm trying to spin to that one is that it got a lot more love than i i I thought so massive thank y'all for that i know these especially these content the way the weeks go i'm not alone but especially with my beat and this the schedule yeah uh content tends to die in the vine but i felt like that was a good building material um because even though I sampled over 60 fights. You could argue that wasn't um, enough, and I agree. But you only have so much time, however, because I'm fucking crazy. A lot of people hit me up asking certain fights. And, like, for example, um, <clears throat> I, I think Aaron Shuss, Aaron said, I forgot to add Matt Wyman's loss and Brian Ortega, and I had them written down here. Um, and it kind of set me on a crazy kind of trail. And, by the way, the updated record for... Um, Five plus years now that Misha Tate got the win, and I incorporated that Matt Wyman loss, um, they're still at a winning rate of 65% for five plus years. Uh, I updated the three plus year uh, to it's 13, 5, and 1, which is still pretty much an even better winning percentage. I think that's even listed as like 71.5. And, um, folks, If you didn't think 60 over 60 was enough I actually went uh, went through and um, really dug deep with the comb and even deeper and I scooped up over 160 so I'm over 100 on top of the 60 but total including the and I'm gonna reform this sheet so if anybody wants to see it and build off this work because I too want to build off this work and I'm gonna keep building off it from a 2013 standpoint but yeah, um, essentially uh, 90, 65 and 7. so that's you know yeah, that's over 160 samples. Um, and that winning percentage is 57.72 so it's actually the same yet technically higher. So again, I don't blame anybody. I, I didn't uh, for you know thinking 60 isn't enough. I even stated in the article that it's not enough, nor do I represent this article as some ultimate thing. But I also would argue that 60 was enough to make the point, and that point stays consistent. And I actually made these in about three or four different sections in that 100 that I added. And um, I would do the calculations as I went to. And it went went all the way up to like 58%, and then it went down to like 57.53, 57.65. And I would average in another grouping, 57. So the point is um, not just over 160 samples, but even when divvied up and added on an increment and tracking on those totals, they were always bouncing right around that 57%, which is, again, over 20% than the 35% recorded win rate for year plus layoffs. Um, that was up until 2013 which is where which was the published date of of Reed Kuhn's, uh book um, fightomics right so so yeah um if that sample wasn't enough for you, I gave you a bigger sample and it's still there folks so all these are winning percentages um that's <laughs> It's not going to be a determining factor for my picks, although it may seem like it. We'll get to that, and I'm not saying it should be a determining factor for yours um, either or neither. Uh, but it is an interesting, interesting tidbit. Um, at least, at the very least, to the point to where I would be careful about condemning someone just for the layoff. If if the stat is representative of anything at a base level, uh, it is be careful about writing them off. Tate came back, looked looked even better. Um, got the win, cashed. Sucks for a no. Uh, but, you know, it was uh, what a way to go out, right? So, I mean, if you're going to, you know, she could have already been cut at the three. She got an extension and got the face of legends. So, at least there's that. Um, Gamrup defeated Jeremy Stevens. Uh, this is the only play I missed, the prop play by decision, but playing Gammon straight up or attaching him to a parlay, uh, a parlay piece that also hit later on the card, which we'll get to, um, all hit, so that's all good, no sweat off my back, and again, you know, Jeremy Stevens, last time he was submitted was Joe Lozon in like, 09, so I mean, you know, <clears throat> I don't think a lot of people saw that, much less that fast, so... There's that. Um Adolfo Vieira defeated Dustin Stolzfus I didn't have to sing the uh, the day Jiu Jitsu died. So bye, bye, Mister German loving guy. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh Stoltzfus. Um yeah, he put up a good fight. You know, he dude has been really working on his game down at Syndicate. Um, but regardless of how you're scoring it, uh, Vieira turned it up like he needed to in round three. You could tell he's kind of worried about his gas tank and exerting it. There was a lot of relief on his face. So happy for him to get the win. Um, I stayed away from it. Congrats if you cashed on it. I definitely cashed on the next one. Billy Quarantilla, Billy Quarantine, Billy Q, Billy Quarantine, Tampa, Buffalo, uh, round 3 plus 2,000 uh, Yeah, you know you know, your boy was just going crazy for Billy Quarantine One of my favorite guys to just root for, watch, fight, and to bet, clearly um, You know, it, we've been doing good betting on Billy Quarantine fights for the most part So I'm very, very happy with that Especially if you're betting them round 3 props uh, Again, Billy Q will fight for your money uh, The line flipped, I didn't agree with it That'll be a another theme that'll transfer over to this next card here sh- shortly. Two four, and that fight went very much as um, as I suspected, uh, except Billy Quarantine didn't have to go through as much hell early, although he got dropped kind of late, uh, but was right back on the clock, you know. And uh, like I even said, if he doesn't, if he gets back position and can't submit Benitez, don't be surprised if he just forces a stoppage by strikes. And I know the eye obviously had a lot to do with it. But uh, again, man, I, you know, usually it's just my analysis is is my silver lining, and I get the pick, and or the play wrong. But when my picks and my plays are lining up with the analysis, it, it it really allows me, at least from from my mind, to flex the analysis more. I know the bets is the more sexy thing to flex, but you know, I like it when the analysis is on point, and it's hard to get that point across. It sounded like a sore loser if you don't get the picks right. So when you get the picks right, the plays right. You know, makes it a little, uh, at least from my perspective, you know, makes me feel a little better. preaching certain analysis when it's right. Um, D-Rod. Daniel Rodriguez of depress some Parsons. I didn't watch this one too closely. Uh, you know, it was a pretty fast finish. And, um, you know, as I say, D-Rod, I'm pretty sure he's talking about his cock. Um, <laughs> <coughs> uh, uh, my girls, is probably why we get along so well, she was like, after 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 uh, Preston Parsons got finished, she goes, oh, he gave him the rod, so that's going to be D-Rod's thing, giving him the rod, and, uh, you know, hope Preston Parsons is all right, obviously, you know, training with a kid, um, you know, rooting for him to get another shot and get that UFC win that I know he's been waiting for as a young kid, I don't doubt that he'll get it, um, that was just a tough first assignment on short notice, right? Mendelemos defeated Monstrat Ruiz. Um, you know, the stoppage, you know, probably could have let it go a bit longer. I don't know if it would have changed the result. Made for a nice gift though, of, you know, I quote tweeted, look like, you know, Tyone looked like the uh, bad guy in the movie who, like, takes the girl's hand for the hero's, you know, kidnapped girlfriend's hand for a dance, kind of a deal. That's what that looked like. And uh, Mendel Lemos cash, Grats if you got in, uh, Early on the ground level on that, like my man Clint over there uh, from Die Hard MMA Pod, it was nice to go on there last week, and it's even—it's always nice to podcast with Clint, but it's even nicer to to, to clean house like that. Um, as we both, I think Clint actually went perfect. He went like ten of no picks. Um, props to my man there. So that was really cool. Um, and Clint also, uh, you know, he, I know he was er, one of the earlier people on Sergey um, Morozov who defeated Khalid Taha. Uh, Of course, I was leaning Taha, and I I, I don't like to let others sway my opinion. I want to do my own research, but um, I ended up on the same side as my man there. And uh, more importantly, the man Marzov, the man in the cage, um, did what he needed to do. Again, like I said, back to the analysis, Taha, what was my reasoning? Uh, He gives underhooks too easily, and you don't want to do that to a guy like Marzov with a body lock. So, boom. That's what was going on all day. I did not get this pick right, uh, although you could have argued he got the the win, uh, but he didn't throw enough to make it convincing. And we know that output will sway judges, and uh, you know, uh, hard not to feel good for Malcolm Gordon, who had some really tough losses, and now he can say he has that UFC win, defeats Francisco Figueroa. Um, so good on him, man. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento defeated Alan Badeau. Not much to say there he gets it done so that was a was a good good card let's hope we can take that positive juju and uh roll it forward you know you know I me mean? not too much of a victory lap here just just uh very grateful and we'll see what we can pull because twenty twenty one 21 is a bit crazy all right let's see what we're doing on time 18 45 not too bad all right UFC on ESPN twenty seven, UFC Vegas thirty two, headline by Corey Sanhagen minus one ninety six, TJ Dillashaw plus one sixty four. At the time of this recording, um, it's been my breakdown earlier really this week, but I don't think it's out yet. It should be out by the time you guys hear this. I hope. But uh, I ended up, I ended up with the dog here on Dillashaw by decision. I know I just took all the fun and I went right to it, didn't I? I skipped the foreplay. Um, it's not a confident pick, but. There's just so many elephants in the room to unpack Um, from the layoff, which I don't feel like we need to go into. In fact, why don't we take that off the list? Because again, considering the math that I've suspected and been telling you guys for some time, and now that I've done twice and thrice over the legwork to provide you actual numbers on it, we can at least just chill. That doesn't mean he's going to win the fight or lose the fight, but I don't think it's going to be because of the layoff. Is that fair to say? Okay. Okay. Uh, because we sure as hell don't need another intangible of the, of the many. So let's try to eliminate, as you know, simplify as much as possible here, right, this equation. Um, the EPO is the elephant in the room, obviously. That's the tough one. You know, you can go by the eye test and be like, when he came out with the Ultimate Fighter, he didn't look that great. Well, that was also like 2011, 2012, and you were either obviously on steroids or... Um, your condition wasn't as good as the athletes of today. Um, and I'm not even talking about because of the drugs, but just because of the knowledge, uh, diets and certain things, you know. Um, it really starts to take an influx of 2012 upwards. And in Dillashaw's defense, he moves with that. You know, he becomes like the on-it post boys, taking all those supplements as well. You know, doing everything possible. Well, we didn't realize to the extent of everything, because he really was doing everything, right? Even the illegal stuff. And that's where it gets tricky because he does do well late in fights, even in fights that he loses, like the split decision to a Sun the first time or the split decision to Cruz, his better rounds with later rounds, you know? Um, and fights where he's faced adversity, like the first Cody Garbrandt fight where he gets uh, knocked down and, and his equilibrium offset at the end of round one. Um, he comes back to win. So unless you really catch TJ Dillashaw cold or can edge a split decision, Um, he's traditionally been really tough to beat. Now, obviously, there's a chemical correlation there with the late surges and the late success. However, there is, at the end of the day, EPO doesn't make for martial arts skill, and he's a skilled martial artist. And EPO can not account for all the athleticism that we see. And I'm not going to say that he's an outlier, an athletic outlier in the sense of a Yoel Romero, but... I do believe that he's a, I still believe, even with the EPO positive test, that um, TJ Dillashaw is a, is a well above average athlete. And I still, I don't think that's the craziest thing to say. Um, He's the best athlete in the world. He's the best athlete in his division. Does that mean he's going to win the fight? Of course not. But I don't think it's crazy to say that even with the positive EPO test, he is still a well above average athlete. And thirdly, on top of that, despite the EPO, the psychological ingrainment that some fighters just have and some fighters don't, you can be, like I said, with the, the Greg Hardy, you can be the biggest super athlete in the world, um, but if you don't have that gear to fight and to come back from that adversity, it's really hard to develop that, no matter how how high your athletic ceiling is. The, the fight ceiling is completely different. And TJ, in his defense, does seem to have that fight ceiling, the competitive attitude, and everything in between those two different, slightly different things. You know, you hear the stories from him being in great with his family and being competitive. So that's the thing: is regardless of what you think of TJ Dillashaw, regardless if you're picking him or not, he is a guy. You know, if you are picking him, if you are playing him, he will he will fight for that money. Now, this is a. Uh, Matchup that again, I, I suggest that you you probably are smart. The uh, smart move is to keep your money away from it. But I'll give you some angles depending on which side you like here. Um, but basically is I'm seeing a lot of talks about overs. And I don't hate that because I'm on Dillashaw and I'm on Dillashaw by decision. Because I think he has to wrestle. And that's where the EPO question is going to be answered. Because if he really was relying on EPO, then I'm not sure he's going to be able to wrestle and control Sandhagen for five rounds or um, control and put enough work on him to get a finish, you know, within three or so if he, you know, all goes well and he's able to get control and just really try to pour it on. Regardless of the approach, conservative or not, I think he's going to, he's definitely going to need a, a gas tank for this fight. And he's not going to want to get in prolonged exchanges because that's another thing about this fight and the intangibles is their former training partners and word on the street is that Sanhagen got the better of sparring sessions. However, from Sanhagen's own mouth, he says, you know, they were split. You know, he had his days, TJ had uh, TJ had his, right? However, I wouldn't be surprised if Sanhagen got the better of the striking exchanges because of the hype parity that we usually don't see Dillashaw have to face and because of their stylistic similarities and understanding each other with the pulls and returns and the shifts and so on and so forth. Um, Sanhagen is more cleaner, longer works the body more, and specifically important to this fight, kind of like the Algevin Sterling fight, which is probably another reason why I'm taking Dillashaw, by decision, I mean. Uh, but uh is it because of uh, countering kicks? Both guys, you know, it, countering kicks is key. Um, Cruz did it to Dillashaw. A lot of people did it to Dillashaw, actually, whether it's strikes, like, uh, or um, John Lineker actually did it to both of them off their kicks. They countered off their kicks. Countering off the kicks is a real key to beating both guys, whether you want to counter off of them to hit him like Lineker did or counter off him to take him down like Aljamain Sterling did to Sanhagen. And again, vice versa with Dillashaw with, uh, you know, Cruz and Lineker there. Um, I know he won one and lost the other by split, but I'm just saying as far as strategically ta- or tactically what's there. That That's it. It's countering kicks. Um, Dillashaw, I believe, only against Cruz and... A sudden South the second time are the only times where he actually gets takedowns off of like countered leg kicks. But that's only because he is so varied with his entries. He's got those, um, like what uh, Billy Quarantillo does, but a, a more athletic, agile version of it. No offense, Billy Quarantine. Not hating, no, I'm just saying, you know, has got a, um, because he's a little, you know, different weight class guy and a wrestler, but, um, he has that kind of like a level change where he steps off and sags to his right side. He's got a clean level, changing double. Um, but a lot of times I feel like he likes to go to single variations and then chain off to either his doubles or body lock takedowns um, from there. Or Shrek behinds the back. Um, so he's got a lot of options. And that small cage is going to definitely suit him. But, again, Sanhagen is the better countering off of kicks when it comes to striking. Uh, Dillashaw surprisingly doesn't do that that much. Um, whereas Sanhagen does. So... Again, if Dillashaw's in exchange, extended exchanges and kicks with Sanhagen, that could be very bad news. Um, you know, you know, Sanhagen might not one punch him, but you know, he can definitely spark some things off there. Uh, I think the one punch knockout threat is obviously the Frankie Eger one, which is the flying knee threat. With Dillashaw's height and level-changing abilities, I know Sanhagen has some really nice uppercuts too. But again, Dillashaw—he's really tough to to put away you can hurt him he's been rocked but he, he's not easy to put away um and uh and yeah so for those reasons I, i'm leaning dillashaw from a stylistic standpoint and gonna let the epo question answer himself if you like dillashaw like money lines just might as well just play that you can go super contrarian if you like that plus 600 number by decision um however Again, back to people saying overs, but also liking Sanhagen. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, not that Sanhagen can't win a decision. Not that Sanhagen can't survive a storm and then pull away later, slash a mix of a bit of conservativeness from them knowing each other, right? Um, prolongs to a longer Sanhagen win or a decision win, in like, that is how I would make the case for it. I just don't think it's very likely. I think the basic dynamic here is Sanhagen, if he wins, it's going to be early. So you can take plus monies on under one and a half, or even an under 2.5. Um, where I think it's actually near chalk action near even if it's under 2.5. Um, if you're looking for Sanhagen, uh, if you're trying to really find a plus money angle, because even inside the distance, I think is like minus one fifteen. Um... So, yeah, that's that's what I think about that. I don't think, you know, if I play, it's only going to be sprinkling if I'm doing well um, on the card. Um, you know, uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lay off of that. Aspen, Lad, Macy, Shasson uh, was canceled. I was going to take Lad and use her as a parlay piece, but then I kind of started feeling less confident about that. It's just really hard to tell with Lad. She was going to be one of those fighters coming off of a layoff, like one of seven or eight originally, but her, Shamil... Um, uh, their matchups were taken off the card. Uh, this was on Macy's side. Um, Aspen was coming back from injury, but it sounds like Macy may have sustained an injury fight week, which is always weird and, and crappy when that happens. So, hope the best for both of them. Uh, next fight: Kyler Phillips minus two seventy, Holly and Paiva, plus plus two twenty. Um, I like Phillips here. Um, you know, I was really surprised with the Song Yonong fight, but you know, he's, he's really coming together kid's really well trained uh it did worry me that he slowed down a bit but he is so convincing with his body language that even if you know even though i think yadong technically by like a strike or two outstruck him in the last two rounds it didn't come off that way like it does the stats which is why you shouldn't read the stats um but yeah um yadong hits harder and is faster than paiva despite paiva coming up from flyweight five 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 was kind of slow-fisted slow-footed a bit he's just long for flyweight and is aggressive more crafty than i guess you would suspect or at least i suspected and um you know has some decent pop to him and so he he goes to the body which is nice and won't hurt him here. It's actually going to be a good thing he can have maybe a good round three um but again the speed he's not going to have that speed even though he's coming up from flyweight um even though i like him going to bantamweight he's still not the biggest bantamweight he's still the same height he seems like he's tall but they're both 5'8 phillips with the gas tank and his frame and if he starts filling out maybe you know that's something to watch uh but even if he does have a sketchy round three you know this kid seems really composed he knows how to change levels that's going to be there for him i don't think he gets caught in a guillotine i know is a black belt and he's trained this camp as well as his last couple at team alpha male um but phillips is a black belt brazilian jiu-jitsu also has some black belts in traditional martial arts and um has some wrestling accolades as well came up wrestling so uh i think he can grapple to be safe and dance on the outside you know and if um Kai Kara France was even and I by, by the way I thought Piva won against Kai Car France, but I'm just saying if Kaikara France can very least survive doing that, I think Phillips can win it outright. Um I felt like I'm a bit exposed on a fight coming up, so I actually put Phillips in a in a fun two-leg for plus money with a, another fighter that I wanted to, to have some investment on anyways. So we'll get to that. Alright, next fight, Derek Minner, minus 158. Darren Mid. uh team american doll elkins plus 134 um man again akin to last week i'm uh i'm gonna be backing a guy who was a favorite and is now a dog and i know he's old and again he's very strikingly similar to the matt damon doll from team america he will fight for your money (laughs) miller light that's right darren you love miller light um Portage, Indiana. Um, and uh, so Darren Elkins, man, yeah, they, dude, fucking scraps. Again, um, you know, I don't want to do like Billy Q and say, you know, it's it's a season of the, of the scrappy, skinny white dude because you know what? Derek is a scrappy, skinny white dude as well. So uh, that stupid trend of mine, <laughs> I don't know if that applies here. But favorites going to underdogs, they're the value argument alone I could rest my case on. But... Um, Stylistically, uh, I actually like this for Elkins. He's the better wrestler and the more reliable fighter in the small cage, ultimately. I know Derek Minner seems to be going through a mid-career renaissance a bit um, under James Krause, and that's very respectable and should be kept an eye on. However, when I went back to look at that fight against Charles Rosa, I was reminded that it was Charles Rosa who was pulling guard to where Derek Minner didn't even really have to get takedowns and pulling guard in the beginning of rounds and then just staying on his back for the rest of the rounds. So it's pretty much like giving you the easiest IQ test to win a round. And even then, I think Derek Minner was getting reversed, some submissions threatened on him, his corner was screaming for life or death uh, to stay calm and manage his breathing. Like He was still somehow kind of hanging on to dear life. Um and so I I don't know how sold I am that he's a different guy. I think that was the perfect matchup, um, with the perfect corner at the perfect time. And I feel like he still barely made it through. When you really go back to watch that fight and you take off the shock factor, uh, at least that I had of just kind of being outright wrong. And 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 and, and I love Charles Rosa. Don't get me wrong, but stupidly back in Rosa again at the betting window. Um, you know. Um. You know, can't bet that guy's fights saved my life, right? As much as I like him. <laughs> but uh, so stylistically, I'm like, you know, Darren Elkins, I know he was getting rocked by Ryan Hall, which was weird. But, it, it, you know, I know he still gets cut up very easily. But if you go look at his fights after that, um, he took harder shots from, from a more uh, more respectable guys. So I don't know if it was that camp, but I like that Darren has been taking, like, year off you know between he took a year off to that fight came against Nate a much stronger hitter and Nate does make some dumb moves but you forget that how 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 uh, that's that fight is closer than you realize because Darren Elkins is a bloody mess but he's taking the shots well and he's coming back and landing really hard shots and you know yeah, does a lot I'm not saying you know he had an argument to win but he does way better than the unanimous decision scorecards say And then Luis Eduardo Garrigori, I know that's a South American dude without a grappling background as a striker, but I want to say he was training at Sanford, and he really focused and was much more athletic, younger than Darren, and really focused on his get-ups, and just muscled up and sold out at certain points, which is the only reason why he got away at certain points. But, you know, Darren stayed on him, can still wrestle, can still hit and change levels. Um... You know, and he can still and he can still strike. He was taking some hard shots by Gargori. You know, I know he got stung. Uh, he got stung in that fight. Uh, you know, pretty good at a moment, but he recovers. And Derek Minor only one K.O. T.K.O. win to his name. You know, even though he technically has more fights than Darren Elkins, which is crazy. So I still feel like it's submission or bust. I know he showed the ability to win a decision, but I think that's in a perfect cat. Uh, you know, uh, perfect scenario and. Even Darren Elkins at this point of his career, he is really tough to put away. Um, And again, you know, even if he loses, even if this bet loses, you can count that Darren Elkins is gonna is gonna fight for your money. So I uh, I'll take I'll take Elkins here. Uh, I didn't put a full unit on him. Um, I put I think like just seven point seven five at one thirty eight. It's kind of the way I, I strategized. Things a bit uh, how, I, how I how I leveled out my place, so I only put that on him. But uh, he is minor dog play, and it's going to be on uh, my odds checker betting sheet as well. All right, next fight is also on it, and I alluded to uh, Miranda Maverick minus 148, Macy Barber plus 126. This is another fight where it flipped, but however, I actually. Agree with the line movement here, akin to the ladies' fight that I bet last week with Misha Tate. Um, I agree with the line movement here. Again, Barber, like I said, and I was proven right with that Grasso fight, um, you know, uh, with certain things stylistically, um, that she wasn't going to be able to compete, that she really does her best when she's able to bully on top or, you know, bully with elbows in the clinch, or bully with power lefts standing but all those things are bullying power offense not defense um not process not consistency and those chickens came home to roost um against Grasso. and to her credit she says she's learned from her lessons and to her credit one of the other issues of the reason why i was picking against her um was the camp she was working with that's an auto fade for me and I hate saying that, but my goodness, do I have a fucking winning record fading that camp. Anyways, Um, but I'm not going to victory lamp on something mean, even if it's true. Um, and to her credit, she's not working with that camp. She, too, went over to Team Alpha Male. Um, but uh, I know I'm skipping them. I'm, I'm fading Alpha Male fighters, then I'm backing them, then I'm fading them again here. Uh, because I don't know if she's an Alpha Male fighter. It was a quick, to her own admission, when she did an interview with Aaron Brownsteader. A lot of red flags, by the way, in some of these interviews, and perhaps maybe behind the scenes, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. But, um, yeah, she even said so herself in in the Bronstedder interview, I believe it was. By the way, shouts to the TSN MMA show. Go check that out. Um, But she was saying, like, um, oh, you know, it was kind of happenstance and, you know, this and that. And it's a good camp, although... And I'm like, who? there's not many girls to work with. And she goes, although there's not many girls to work with, I think the only recognizable one was that Corey McKenna girl from the Contender Series. Um, but yeah, um, I I don't know if any southpaws, because Miranda Maverick is a southpaw, and um, and yeah, Maverick, who, you know, and I'm a fan of of Jillian Robertson, but, uh, again, that was a spot that I was big on, that fight was first booked, and I was only proved right when the fight finally did happen, and I was able to cash nicely, on Miranda Maverick, she's only proved me right every step of the way. Um, she is more the real prospect in my books, so I don't like this matchup. I, I know people were talking about prospect. There, there were a couple other matchups like Yanez or Costa that were w- way worth more worth talking about as far as prospect versus prospect fights. And then, I'm like I, I don't know, I, I think Maverick had the right idea with. She's. I think it's a great matchup for me and it's a bad one for her. And it's and was explaining even non-biasedly. It's like you want to give a fighter like Barbara, if you're so high in an investment, or you want to give her a pick-me-up fight. Not a, a girl who's ranked higher, a girl stylistically tough matchup for her. Um, you know, that's silly, you know. Um, uh, you know, and, and uh, so I, I think she got it right, you know. Um, shouts to my guy Paul Shag out there, uh, not picking on him, but I believe I saw him say a tweet about, uh, what was it? I think he compared this fight to Gustafson and Phil Davis, and I didn't agree with that cause I was you know, speaking of this prospect thing, because I'm like, those, both those guys were undefeated. Um, because I think the argument here is people that, if you're like me and you state that you have an issue with this fight, they're like, what's wrong with talent versus talent? Prospects can fight each other. They're both young. They can bounce back. I'm like, all those things are factually true, but they are not put in a proper context uh, to the matchup that we're actually relevantly talking about at hand. And that is and that is this matchup both these girls neither of these girls are undefeated and in fact one of them is on a two fight streak that can be very detrimental to mental um, and we just did like a podcast on this one one of the top fives I'm sure you know like career altering you know beatings and things and I'm not saying that's going to happen here although Barber, to her credit is tough but also to her detriment that could catch her one of those beatings down the road if she doesn't change things eventually or quick but, um, you know, we've crazier things have happened in MMA. Um, and either way, a loss, even if it's not a quote-unquote air-quote bad or bloody one, I mean, it's still really detrimental, especially to a fighter that, you know, the taller they are, the harder they fall. Well, the, the higher their confidence are, especially when it's false confidence, that makes for the hardest falls in combat sports. And Macy Barber has been oozing on it, which is probably why... <laughs> I've been cashing and going against her lately. So um it's just one of those reads that I had. I just I get sometimes with the fighters personally. And I have a pretty high percentage on those reads as well. Um and uh since stylistically you factor in the stylistic stuff, that was also confirmed in the last fight. Um plus the red flags of camp changing and things behind the scenes. Um I just don't like it, man. I don't like it. I'm not I'm not essing on anybody here. Playing Barber for value, because there is value there, being that just for the fact alone that she was the favorite and now she's the underdog. Um, I'm not hating on people, by the way. If anyone's opinions who they're okay with this matchup, I'm not like condemning this matchup or people's opinions against it. I'm just explaining that it's actually quite factionally reasonable to. You know, even if you're like me and you're not a believer in Barbara and you're quite, in fact, the other way, uh, financial benefit and gain by going the other way, that doesn't still mean I can't call out the facts of this is a dangerous spot for her. And it is a dangerous spot. So I think that's the reservation. I don't think me or anybody else has like issues with like, oh, we don't like seeing young talent go again. That's that's absurd. Who, Who doesn't like seeing young talent? Um. I just don't feel like it's the prospect matchup it's cut out to be because I don't think Barber is the prospect she's been cut out to be. And now all that height that was seemingly helping her is now hurting her. And we've seen this story before, folks. So if I'm wrong, I'll definitely be paying for it, right? But uh, I laid the chalk on Maverick at minus 144. And with Lad out and between Lad out and me... Still picking her, but not being quite as confident. So out of principle, maybe you shouldn't play it. Um, I just added Sajara um, Eubanks. Uh, uh, well, sure, I guess I'm jumping the fucking line. But yeah, we'll get to that um, for a plus 116 parlay for a two-legger. Um, if you don't want to lay the chalk straight up on Maverick. Uh, but I wouldn't suggest a prop, even though it'll probably be Maverick by decision. Because Barber, to her credit, is uber tough. And but unless she stings over the southpaw shoulder, you know, left skin stings southpaws, they don't see it as well. So unless she does one of those like the JJ Aldridge that she got, you know, after, by the way, she was getting pieced up by Aldridge the whole time or for the most of it um, or like an elbow off the break to cut her like outside of that, she's not winning the wrestling. Mavericks, but a level change away because she actually is level changing takedowns, not just clinch stuff where she's also looks to be better and stronger um then barbara who used to fight at 115 although you know she is big although not as big as the commentary was trying to blow her up to be because maverick actually is a really big and thick 125 who may finish her career at 135 and she's already had tough cuts but has already shown to come back and have strong third rounds and ridiculous paces through tough cuts overseas and through the pandemic Um, she's also come back through injury and layoff eye injury and layoff and chooses to strike with a girl and get a standing TKO stoppage win so she's already answered the adversity questions as well give me Miranda Maverick Um, as uh, one of my more confident plays on this card So we'll see. Knock wood. All right. Uh, Jordan Williams, minus 174. Mickey Gall, plus 146. Not allowed to say I didn't look into this fight. I wasn't interested in playing it. Picking Williams, not confident, not confident in any angles. Didn't look into any angles. If you have one, best of luck to you. I will take the diabetic Southpaw Williams. Um, Although, you know, you got to be curious about that cut. Speaking of the diabetes, uh, how does that do with the 170s? You know, um, I know Gull's not a cardio or output machine, but you know he's capable. He's been off. He's young. Let's see how much he's matured. You know, it's, you know. I think you. I don't know if he still works with Joe Schilling. You know, <laughs> but we'll see what uh what Gaul's got. All right, next fight. Puna Soriano minus 112. Brendan Allen minus 104. Uh, I guess that's uh good. I pulled the trigger biasly, as you know, on Puna because I don't think line's getting any lower. I think Puna opened at like minus. Yeah, minus 220, so you're already getting a you're already getting a, a dollar uh, discount, a whole dollar discount off Puna at uh, near even money if you want him. Uh, however, if you were able to get Allen at plus money, I don't hate you. Allen is, you know, you, you want a kind of a grappler, a sticky, grindy kind of a guy against these one-round knockout, you know, uh, adonis types like Soriano, right, if we're stereotyping, that is. Uh, Allen also trains at a good camp, not just a good camp, but a camp that... Can't prepare you for southpaws because there's lots of them, whether it's uh, Derek Brunson, who he's training with, guys like Robbie Lawler that hang around there, uh, so on and so forth. But um, they, they do pretty well against southpaws. got yeah, Michael Johnson's a uh, staple down there. A lot of southpaws in Sanford. Um, so that's a good thing for Allen and Allen betters. Um, Allen has been showing to get better, a little bit better than te- that technique. He really likes the tie clench. Uh, showed a little bit cleaner technique overall, striking from range. But head movement and defense, still not the greatest. Um, cleaner technique isn't bringing his hand back or keeping his hand up. And cleaner, obviously, out. Uh, offensive uh, you know moves, but defense, mm, still not a lot there, and that's what he's going to need. You know He's beaten a lot of the South Paws he's faced lately. Uh, he lost Eric Andrews on the regional, but has beaten all the South Paws he's faced in the UFC scene. Granted, that was Tom Breeze, and that was on the ground, slash we, we know the deal with Tom and uh who is he the other ones here Sorry, i'm gonna pull him up um carl roberson and of course we know that was kind of bad iq on the ground he did get a nice body lock takedown uh beat kyle Docus although kyle docus you know again he did most of his damage on the ground and docus um actually you know closed his eye up and did pretty well uh and landed i believe was more accurate when they were standing for what that's worth southpaw there um and it doesn't take that many with Puna. It could just take one, in fact. If not to put you out, to put you on skates uh, on your way out the door, right? Um, you know, it, it's tough, though, because Puna still, you know, even though when he does go to the round three, he's still the one getting takedowns and dogging it out, like we saw against Jamie Pickett on the Contender Series, which will be the same cage he'll be fighting in. Uh, and I think that suits him well here. But, you know, it could also suit Brendan Allen well because they both like the pressure and Brendan Allen can get to that body lock. The thing is, I'm still not sold on Allen's wrestling. However, even going like to the regional footage that was available on PUNA, no one tries to take this cat down. I know his fights aren't long, but there's no real takedown threats. However, the way he strikes and with his judo and wrestling background, you could tell he's tough to take down and he kind of sits down into things. I think the only worry is that, you know, you don't want him to dip into a knee or something because Brandon Allen's tall, and he's got a, a, a nasty t- t- a tie clinch when he wants to use it, but Puna does something where I really like. He really shucks guys. He uses that, like almost like Fedor-esque, where he doesn't go for the um, Uchimata, but he uses that inside hip and inside trip uh, kind of Uchimata shuck, as a shuck, and just to create, a, create space and off-balance his opponent, and then start blasting him. And uh, I could totally see that... Um, I could totally see that happening with Allen. Uh, with Allen, um, if you can't get him down. And then you add in the fact that Eric Nixon is going to be in his corner. You know, Eric Nixon is going to be stressing, you know, the whole counter-wrestling uh, arsenal. Uh, straight to the body, uppercuts, knees, front kicks. Um, so he's going to, you know, uh, he's going to be stressing that. So... Um, yeah, I'm, I'll take Puna here. I was going to hope for dog money, but I don't think we're going to get it. So I just pulled the trigger at minus 110 for even. And I put a unit. You don't have to follow me because it's biased. But even bias aside, I feel like you can justify it because of the value and um, stylistically too. Uh, even though Allen, I know he's fought tougher guys. He's fought more guys. And you can't stay undefeated forever. Puna will lose in the octagon. I hate to say it, but it's true, right? You fight long enough, you will lose. But is it this time? I don't think so. And you're going to give me a dollar off for even money on the guy that should and was initially favored? I will take the shot. So uh, there's my case. Bias stated and bias uh, accounted for. Um, next fight, Ian, would you like to touch my hyenish? Minus 158, that was terrible. Uh Nasruddin, MO off plus 134. And of course, Ian Heinish, of course, he always reminds me from, of Sack from Wedding Crashers. <laughs> I, I don't know, God enemy, Governor. I do. Large family breeding. Nature versus nature. <laughs> Nurture. Nature always wins. Uh, yeah, so, um, I'm gonna go with, uh with uh, with Sack from Wedding Crashers, Ian Hynish. Um, Not confident in it. Uh, you know, I uh, like how he sounds in interviews. He's working at Stanford as well. And, um, you know, uh, Alan's on this card, who's not a southpaw, but that's fine because neither is Imovov, I, I believe. So we'll see. Uh, Imavov has some nice one-twos um, and some uh, deceptive counter-wrestling. I believe from memory surf, so we'll see. I'm not confident in it. Um, Heinish, no play. Next fight, Adrian Yana's minus two thirty. Randy Costa plus one ninety. This is a fun fight that um, I didn't bother looking too far into because I, I ran out of time and I, I didn't want to play this one. This is a sit back and enjoy fight. I like I like these guys too much. Yana has initially opened at one seventy, so money's come in on him. Uh, he will be my pick here. Um, just his counter, his countering ability is. Uh, is pretty much what seals it for me, and his shot selection. Whereas Costa, I like his style, and he's gonna make for fun action, especially if he can come for if he comes forward on Yanez. Uh, I'm just not sure how much his jank will, uh, his slight jank there in the leg and his stance, and the kind of kink in his stance, and, and, and it, from I'm guessing from his traditional martial arts background, um, you know, coming up as a kid. I'm not sure how much that'll hurt or help him with that look. Uh Yanez has a bit of a, a flair to him as well and doesn't seem to be off-put or faked out by things too easily. I really like his eyes and exchanges. Um, and I think he's even got like a black belt or something in jujitsu as well or some brown belt or something. But uh, both guys have underrated ground games, though. I don't see them putting initiative there too much. Maybe they will to surprise the guy. But I feel like we get a strong, uh, a fun striking match. I'll take Jana's and especially at this price, I'm I'm staying away for a, a fight that I just want to enjoy. Uh, next fight, uh, Julio Arce minus two fifteen, Andre Ul plus one eighty. Um, dude, I feel bad. I, I always come at Andre Ul, and I'm not like I'm coming at him, but like I always pick against him. And I was reading his bio, and like, oh, it's just like stuff like just makes me want to root for him like you know people misjudging him and being you know judged by this losing his son trying to fight to get his son back like all these things and I'm like oh man I'm sitting here like always betting against this guy and fading him because he fades and fights his cardio fades so I fade him from the betting perspective because uh, he's one of those guys I point to that are cutting too much weight to ban him weight, even though I know TJ, uh, Corey Sanhagen's up there, and I, I gave him the pass, maybe because I'm a fan of Sanhagen, but no, Sanhagen's 29, so if it does become a problem, it, it will, but I, I asked Sanhagen about that in interviews back in the day, and he's just blessed, he actually doesn't walk around at a very heavy weight, so he doesn't cut as much as you think, despite how he looks, so as long as that stays intact... And his durability seems, you know, uh, you know, okay, even though he's also getting kind of hurt and shit bent back too. We'll see, but UL is definitely a guy who I pointed to for that, right? Um, and, uh, and, yeah, so, but, and I do think that here too, so that's why I'm going to pick Julio Arce. Because Arce is a better striker and he can kick. Uh, he's never been stopped by TKO, and that's only, UL's only chance. Uh, because he skirts the outside and he's going to be in the small cage. Again, it gets a better striker and a guy who can kick and can also kick and knock guys out to the head, even if they're the taller southpaw. Like the last southpaw he faced in Bueller, Cameron uh, from Ferris Bueller's day off, Julian Arosa. Uh, I know Arce is coming off of a long layoff. We haven't seen him since uh, 2019, but that was up at Featherweight. It gets a, a really a good striker against Hakeem DeWadu, I believe. And again, Sight and Dan Tom's layoff, um, 57%, and that creeps up to 70 percentile when we get toward the two- or three-year range where um, Arce is at. So not saying I'm banking on that or basing it off that, nor should you, but, again, anybody worried about the layoff, Uh, I think it's more from a style's perspective. Arce was also supposed to fight at February earlier this year until his opponent withdrew from a hand injury. So he was fine. I think the extra camp, the extra sparring rounds, probably only good. Now he's only more prepared. Um, I'll take Julio Arce there. By the way, Kyler Phillips, other guy at bantamweight, who I said maybe to watch, you know, could can, can fade in later rounds, possibly. Maybe that was just his last fight, um, where he kind of showed it. But I was reading his bio; it's pretty fucked up. He goes, he goes, uh, he goes. When did you start fighting? He goes, my dad introduced me to martial arts when I was four years old. When I was 12 years old, I fell in love with it. <laughs> what the fuck happened with those eight years? What are you doing? <laughs> he's like, he's just like fucking, is he just like fucking Andy Dufresne and Shawshank? you know? His <laughs> dad opens. he's like in the hole, his dad opens up. You ready to practice, huh? Do we change your attitude about practice? Just make it stop. It never stops. <laughs> Just kidding. That's how I feel with the MMA schedule. All right. Wow, Dan, that, that got dark. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I was at. Uh, Yeah, but back to this Bantamweight fight. I'm taking Arse, And I paired him with... um, I paired him... That's why I talked about Kyler Phillips. I paired him with Kyler Phillips uh, for plus 100 because um, if I didn't and knock on wood, <laughs> Maverick loses, then I'd guarantee myself a big losing night because I'm exposed on Maverick, right? You know? <laughs> I'm exposed like a creepy dude in a trench coat at a public school. Alright, damn easy. Maybe not that exposed. But you get it. I'm pretty exposed. So, um you know, I wanted some action on RSA to go against Oh, I know. Fucking poor Andre. Oh, Can he get a break? Uh everyone's against him. Uh and uh and and and, and you know, Kyler Phillips, um you know, just for some uh for <laughs> some chicken parm parlay. Shout out to the uh <laughs> Analysis. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, next fight. Uh, speaking of parlay and the other parlay, of course, where I parlayed, I, I spilled the beans earlier. Maver- Maverick, Maverick, uh, Miranda Maverick to Sajara Eubanks, minus 360. Now uh, I got her minus 50, 350, At uh, Elise Reed, plus 290. Um, so, Reed, I went actually to look her stuff. She's the third degree of black belt in Taekwondo, but she's actually got really good boxing and striking and pretty good footwork and head movement too uh really impressive um however i don't like this fight for because even though she has good balance um in her last fight against hillary rose um i don't think she's going to be taken down by you know someone as strong or as meaningful as jarry eubanks who again is one of the one of the few 135ers out there that act, you know, can actually really change levels, even though she doesn't come from like a Sarah McMahon wrestling base, right? Or a Misha Tate wrestling base. And a Sajara Eubanks can do that, except Sajara Eubanks is going back down to 125. I don't know if she's going to make it, but either way, you can count on Sajara Eubanks being the bigger, stronger opponent she faces against seasoned 125ers. That is not Elise Reed who is taking this fight on semi short notice. And moving up to 125. Not only is she moving up to 125 from 115, where she is the CFFC champ. Um, shout out to John Morgan and CM Punk there on the call. Um, but uh, she actually used to fight, and you can see, see it. She actually used to fight at atom weight. So you essentially have an atom weight versus bantam weight here, folks, in a certain sense. So, uh, and then when she was on the ground, um, I did not like the ground game from her. And I don't know how much it's going to improve because she doesn't look to hold a rank in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Her Instagram is devoid of any Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And considering she is an owner of her gym, it's a karate gym, you know, kind of similar to like a Stephen Thompson upstate karate. I don't know how much she's really uh, surrounding herself with the ground game. You know, you look at the thing, she's just doing her training camp out of her gym, her karate gym. So I don't like that at all. Um yeah so i think sarge rolls so you you, you want to you know parlay or to uh, a smaller chalk piece that you could just as well justify for a straight up play which i am playing straight up maverick well it balances out nicely to some plus plus 116 if you you know if you just want to go the two-leg parlay way instead so there's that um diana bobita minus 108 hannah goldie minus 108 uh i like bobita Uh, Picked her when she was an underdog. But I still wouldn't play her because it's super low level. And I just was reminded of why I faded and cashed uh, against Belbito last time out with uh, Liana Jojua with that submission uh, win. And uh, Goldie coming off a layoff. But again, they're both coming off one-year layoffs. Goldie coming off a longer layoff, of course, by about, I think, nine months or so off the top of my head. Um... So that's not enough reason to discounter. Both girls like to strike. They have uh, kickboxing accolades to their credit for whatever those are worth. Um, so for that reason, it is a crapshoot, man. It, there's no way you can be confident in that fight. So um, yeah, I just did refreshers in their most recent fight, and I was even more affirmed to stay away. So the pick is Belpiza. Uh all right, uh, let's review. How do we do on time? Oh, one hour. Okay, right away, right at the right at the mark there. Okay. All right, so I'm taking Dillashaw over Sanhagen. Was going to take Ladd over Chasson before they got canceled. Taking Kyler Phillips over Paiva. Taking Elkin, Matt Damon, over Derek Minner. Taking... Uh, Miranda Mavic over Macy Barber, taking Jordan Williams over Mickey Gall, taking Puna Soriano over Brendan Allen, um, taking Ian Heinish, sack from Wedding What got enemy governor over Nasser Dean Imavov, taking Adrian Yanez over Randy Costa, taking Julio Arcea over Andre Ul, taking Sejar Eubanks over Elise Reed, taking Diana Bobica over Hannah Goldie. Um... I parlayed Maverick and Sarge for one unit at plus 116. Parlayed Arsene Phillips for one unit at plus 104. Uh, Laid the Chalk at 1.5 on Maverick at minus 144. Uh, 0.75 on the Dog, Elkins, and even money one unit on Soriano. I may play Dillashaw at plus money. I also may sprinkle on Dillashaw by decision at plus 600 for fun. We'll probably look for another dart or two. Um... No round three, sorry Derek Love, uh, to help my uh, formula, but as of right now, I just need uh, two of the chalk plays, whether it's both straight plays, both parlays, or one straight play and one parlay to hit, I'll break even and be okay, and kind of rely on my dog shots and darks to push me over, Uh, or I just need three out of the four chalk plays to hit and it doesn't matter if any of my dogs or uh, darts or dog plays hit and i will profit so that's kind of how i fortified uh both the plays and the weight and structure to it if you will or i'm attempting to as we speak um as i try to fill in maybe some darts here or there but for better or worse i'm always honest with you guys uh hopefully we don't bomb but even if we do you know i'll always be back and reporting those results and be on to the next And uh, hopefully we can turn some profit because we all uh, could use uh, some extra fun as hopefully y'all are keeping it. And, uh, you know, for those who uh, record it and, uh, you know, don't live and die by this shit, there's much more important things in life. Hopefully you're focusing on those. But, yes, best of luck to you regardless. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect your neck.